business or not. Right. Um, and I think that's actually a key. It, it's, it's developing relationships that bring you joy and giving without expecting anything in return. Uh, and in those cases, uh, those are the cases where I often end up uh, benefiting the most, in fact. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Everyone hates networking, but everyone wants a network. How do you overcome this uh, cognitive dissonance? Well, today on the Inspire podcast, we delve into that. Uh, I have as my guest, Jay Rosenswag. I've known Jay for 10 years and I've always been blown away by the people he knows and how diverse his connections are. His quote day job is as founding partner of Rosenswag and Company, an executive search firm. But Jay has his hands in many, what you'll hear about are complimentary pots. He's a champion of gender equity. He is involved in tech companies like the Hyperloop in Silicon Valley. He is involved in the Winston House, a global community of young creators who have a passion for music, people, and art. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. And Jay, if there's you know six degrees of separation with Jay, it's two. And I want to have him on because he has done this somewhat intentionally. And I think for all of us who crave connection, genuine connection, there's a lot we can learn from Jay. So if you've ever been anxious about networking, if you've ever wondered how to expand your network, if you've ever thought that small talk is inauthentic, uh, this is the conversation for you. Uh, Jay's got some tremendous insights and I learned a lot. And now, Jay Rosenswag. So it's my great pleasure to be sitting here with Jay Rosenswag. Welcome. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to have you here. I, uh, I had to have you here because uh, you, you know, you're an executive search, you have your own executive search firm, you're very successful, but you are not like most traditional executive search professionals because I think you are probably the best connected human being I have ever met. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You, would, you, would you agree with that assessment? <laughs> I, I'd have to leave others to judge that, but I've, I've gotten that characterization from others many times. <laughs> well, and, and I think I'm not surprised. It, you know, I think the first time I realized that your connections went far beyond the professional and that you had built multiple incredibly interesting networks that sometimes overlap and sometimes existed was when I realized that your personal friends and, per- and professional connections with the former NBA star Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. So, um, How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm all about uh, seizing opportunities and connecting the dots um, and, and being adventurous and really mm-hmm. getting out there. Um, I'm a huge basketball fan. Uh, I have some connections in, in, into the NBA. I also have some connections. I feel fortunate to be connected into uh, some of the political realm as well. Um, and uh, so I sort of put two and two together and found out that, uh, of course, the um, NBA All-Star Weekend was in Toronto a couple of years ago. And every weekend, All-Star Weekend that they have uh, has a political panel. 
And um, I know that the NBA was looking to perhaps recruit Justin Trudeau, so I offered to help. And along those lines, um, uh, Trudeau unfortunately wasn't available, but um, the, the PMO offered up uh, Christa Freeland. And we were able to land Christa, and, and she was phenomenal, and the panel was great. And who was sitting next to me? Well, Dikimbi Mutombo, uh, who I've always been a, a big fan of. Um, even more so as an NBA player, while he was a great NBA player, I, I, I love his humanitarian social conscious and the work he does. Um, so he ended up uh, giving me his card and uh, we talked about his interest in perhaps getting involved in business and, and, and technology businesses and using his intelligence and his networks to uh, help companies uh, grow their businesses. And that's an area I'm very plugged into. And it was hard for us to find times and ways to connect but he ended up calling me randomly one Wednesday night to say, hey, I'm going to be in uh, New York tomorrow. Um, that's not far from Toronto, right? <laughs> and, uh, Considering he was coming from what, Africa? Uh, no, he was coming from Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. Okay, well, that's not far either. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, yeah, it's, a, it's an hour flight. He goes, okay, fine. Then why don't you meet me for dinner? Now I had a choice to make. I had a super busy day uh, that Thursday with meetings back to back to back uh, and all kinds of other responsibilities. So I had a decision to make, should I be practical and stay put and say I'm not available or seize on this opportunity because I've found in life that if you don't seize on an uh, open window or an open door, uh, very often it goes away. Um, so I decided to drop everything, go meet him for uh, dinner. We hit it off famously and we've been uh, really good friends ever since and I've gotten involved in some business opportunities and we're looking at some philanthropic opportunities and um, you know that's kind of where it uh, where it all developed. And I think it's such an amazing story because you didn't even go meet him for professional reasons. I mean it wasn't like he was going to be a search client. Right. He in fact you had to kind of finish your day in search and then get on a plane and go have dinner with someone just because you're interested in that connection. Yeah, yeah, and 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 I recognize individuals who 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 have that magic and and who have mm -hmm. that special element to him, and and I always admired him from afar. So, you know, I feel that there's certain cases where you just have to get out there and do it. Um, and and if you're not in the game, and if you're not doing it, um, and if you're not sort of playing in the field, um, you're not going to necessarily be able to seize on some opportunities. Well, and that's exactly what I wanted to have you on the Inspire podcast to talk about, because I think, you know, most people dread networking. They, you know, would kill themselves to have the network like you do, to have the relationships that you do. Right. And people always ask me in, in my profession, how do you network? How do you make con genuine connections? And I thought, let's have a conversation about that. So yeah, what I thought we could leave people with is a sense of, how you approach relationship building, because I know you have some very counterintuitive ways of thinking about it, mm -hmm. and then look at some of the mechanics behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, Absolutely. Great. So that maybe they can have, a, maybe they won't be friends with Dikembe Mutombo, <laughs> but that they can forge these meaningful relationships, which I know you take great joy in whether it leads to business or not. Right. Um, and I think that's actually a key. It, it's, it's developing relationships that bring you joy and giving without expecting anything in return. Uh, and in those cases, uh, those are the cases where I often end up uh, benefiting the most, in fact. So, so let's start there, yeah. because I think that speaks to your mindset. You know, I think a lot of people view networking as transactional, right? I'm going to go to this event because there's people there I need to know because they're going to help my career. Do you think that is the wrong mindset for people to have? 
I think it's okay to be tactical, um, but I don't think that you will you will have the deepest and, and, and richest relationships by only focusing in that way. Um, what mindset should people have instead? So as an example, um, in addition to the corporate executive recruitment work that I do, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the last five, 10 years um, mentoring um, mentoring founders of, of earlier stage businesses. And I found that process to be extremely, extremely enriching. Um, and through that process, uh, I've developed unbelievable relationships for one, which has resulted in exponential uh, opportunities for me, even on the corporate side. Um, and, and it's also given me a certain knowledge such that corporate um, clients want to work with us Everything's about emerging tech today. Um, John Hancock Manulife just hired us to find uh, a head of digital reporting into the chief executive officer in Boston, direct to consumer. It's a very, very key fundamental role. Um, But why are organizations like that hiring us to find innovators? Because they're looking for candidates and prospects who have their finger on the pulse of emerging tech. and we as a firm and me as an individual, I can mirror that. We have our finger on the pulse of what's, what's happening next and who's who, in addition to being able to play well corporately. Um, so it's not necessarily about a direct transactional approach to business. Um, it's, it's about gaining knowledge uh, in areas that, that are really important and that will affect our world moving forward. So, so people should really think about not the kind of event by event, should right. I go to this event? Is it going to benefit me? But it's almost a step back and say, where is my career or life? Where am I excited? Where, exactly. where are things headed? And then getting involved in groups like that, even if there's no discernible payoff in the short term. Correct. The offshoots for me have been outstanding. I can give you dozens and dozens of examples. Um, What's the best one that you've so, so what So one example would be event-related. Um, in 2014, I was asked by the, uh, the curator and, and executive director of the Chief Digital Officer Club and Summit based in New York uh, to come to the Time Warner Center to present on the, the future of the Chief Digital Officer function. Um, again, no real, no real uh, transactional uh, result in mind. Got out of my comfort zone researched the area, um, flew to New York, cleared my calendar. Um, and after making the presentation, who, who shows up at the stage to shake my hand? Um, somebody who ended up becoming an invaluable mentor of mine, a guy named Ken Cragen. Ken Cragen is one of the most motivational, inspirational people I know. He conceived of um, and executive produced We Are the World when he was told it would be impossible to get 45 of the top music executives into one room, uh, music uh, performers uh, into one room to uh, perform a song. He did uh, Hands Across America two years later, six million people holding hands from New York to LA to raise money for the hungry. Um, Just a big thinker, motivational speaker about accomplishing the impossible. We became good friends immediately at that event. He indicated to me that he's helping a young kid named Corey McGuire um, to raise $100 million in 100 days through 100 of the biggest artists uh, 
across the United States um, for philanthropy, the We Are the World of 2014. I jumped into this project with him, which resulted in uh, unbelievable relationships that I currently have in the music and technology space in Los Angeles, including um, Corey McGuire's Winston House, which is, uh, which is a, a, a company that's on a rocket ship right now. Wow, so what I'm hearing is you go to do this talk, there's no tangible payoff. You meet right. someone who, in some ways, it's even further from a tangible payoff, right? right? Because he's asking you to give of your time. Right. It's just something that's inspiring, but you might, you know, some business people might say, well, this is taking me away from the core of what I do. Right. But you get into it because you're passionate about it, because it's where things are headed, right. and then the relationships just emerge from that. Right. So, so can I discern then that people who want to build networks and want to build relationships need to stop thinking linearly, and they need exactly. to think about what just the, uh, you know, the kind of randomness uh, that you create. So when I'm presented with opportunities to advise or invest in businesses, of course, the people behind it are important. The founders are important. The technology or the product or the idea is important. But for me, I'm actually more assessing the ecosystem in and around the business. So let's delve into this a bit more because you know, you've talked about saying yes, you've talked right. about going with it, you're putting yourself into it, yeah. but you can't say yes to everything. So right. how do you, what lessons would you share from how you do that kind of assessment to someone listening who's like, well, I, I get invited to far more opportunities or volunteer opportunities yes. than I can, how do you choose? So I choose based on the, the ecosystem, and I could give you an example in, in a minute of, of uh, places where I might turn down an opportunity. Okay. Um, but, but one of the opportunities I, I, I gravitated towards, and, and that shows the intersectionality of everything that I'm doing, is um, I had a search, um, one of the world's largest live entertainment companies, live entertainment companies hired us to do a president search in Los Angeles. One of our candidates, um, who ended up not, not working out for that file, introduces me to a partner of his. They're starting up a, a, a live entertainment business, uh, which allows people to see who's, who's in the bums in the seats at live, uh, live concerts and live sporting entertainment companies um, uh, or sporting events, a um, number of great people behind it like Quincy Jones, et cetera. Um, so I meet his partner. I get invested in that business. Um, and before I knew it, the people in and around the, that ecosystem are introducing me to exponentially other interesting individuals, including um, the CEO's closest friend who runs as COO, George Soros' Institute for New Economic Thinking, um, a guy named Chris Seeley. Um, and before I knew it, I had a high paying fee because he needed to do a chief um, program officer search for George Soros' Institute for New Economic Thinking. Right. So my original investment, now I'm playing with house money because paid off exponentially in, in a fee that I got. And now I develop an amazing relationship with, with this fellow Chris Seeley, mm -hmm. and he eventually leaves the Institute for New, New Economic Thinking to start a blockchain business hmm. called Cover Us, um, which is a massive solution to the healthcare problem in the United States. I'm an advisor of that business and have shares in that. Define for me then, if you had to say today, yeah. how do you define the ecosystem that you are looking to play in? So my mission 
in everything that I do is to uh, effect positive change and growth. I mean, that's every, quite broad. <laughs> in every aspect of my life. So okay. whether it be whether it be helping uh, founders to to scale up their teams so that mm -hmm. they can achieve their next levels of business success, whether that means advocating for gender diversity and gender equality um, for the last 14 years and, and helping uh, partner with a relatively new movement called Move the Dial mm -hmm. to help elevate women yeah. in tech. Well, uh, Jody on the podcast. That's right, so right. she's awesome. Yeah, she's uh, great. We just had breakfast. Um, or, or advocating for human rights in general as an active board member of Erwin Kotler's Raoul Wallenberg Center of Human Rights, the common thread is people uh, and affecting people um, through strategies that allow me to affect positive transformational change. So what then, with that purpose clear, what would you say no to? <laughs> so recently, um, uh, I was approached by friends um, to help perhaps invest and advise, which I'll do informally anyway, um, a cannabis-related business. They came to me with, um, with a solution that I thought was interesting, uh, a DNA test, which allows one to determine how, how much of a joint, or <laughs> how many joints they could smoke <laughs> before reaching a dangerous limit. Interesting. Um, the same could be applied to blood alcohol, right? So the standard, for example, for driving is 0 0.08. But it might be that you could do 0 0.10, whereas my wife would be 0 0.06. It's a technology which allows you to monitor you know, acceptable levels um, of your own. Uh, and given that cannabis is, is becoming bigger and bigger, they, they're gonna focus on cannabis. So my question to them was, um, can anybody replicate this technology? Right. Oh, absolutely. Anybody can do a DNA, DNA test. Like mm. you, we, you can't patent right. DNA tests. So that causes me to be skeptical because if that's the case, what do you really have? Right. Uh, my advice to them is you might succeed because you're formidable people in the community, mm -hmm. but you have to get, get to market as fast as mm -hmm. possible. You gotta spend a lot of money on marketing. To own the market. <laughs> own the market intimidate anyone else from getting in, right. but that's not the kind of thing that's particularly attractive to me. Be and is it also fair to say that it doesn't have any sort of social impact? I mean, what you've talked about with all these others are seem to have some right. sort of quasi-social right. impact. You could argue that it has somewhat of a social impact in that it's, it's helping one to monitor from a health standpoint right. how far they can go. But yeah, it wasn't the kind of thing that excited me right. uh, greatly, and and it didn't. It wouldn't have gotten me into an eco uh, an ecosystem mm -hmm. that I'm I'm not in currently, which right. is one of my big factors. Right. So this is, yeah. I think, this is fascinating because you do say yes to almost anything. But what I'm hearing, and I think what people listening should do, is, is you've defined what your purpose is, right? You've defined that it is to connect people where you can make a meaningful or help them make a meaningful impact in the world. I'm hearing that impact is sometimes in business, but it's often socially. You know, when you look at Matumbo, when you look at, you know, the, the charity work you're involved in, and that these are interconnected yes. ecosystems. And you're also looking to be in new ecosystems where you're not already. That's correct. And so you've defined this kind of and saying that then allows you to filter and say, yes, I do want to go to that event. I do want to fly to meet Matumbo. I do want to be at this conference right. or no. 
That's right. So it's important yeah. that people yeah. define that and they look beyond the transactional of like, should I go to this event? Will right. this person be there? It's more, will this ecosystem What's be there? What's the overall strategy? Right. What, you know, what can you gain from a, from a big, from a big impact standpoint. Right. Um, so the truth is actually, I'm turning down um, probably 99 out of yeah. the 100 uh, things I'm presented with. So don't um, say yes to everything. <laughs> no, Get, no, definitely Say yes not. to the ones that fit your strategy. <laughs> Correct, and, and maybe, you know, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to make a massive impact. We can, make, we can all make you know, small impacts as well. It just depends on what drives you. Right, and I've known you, know, I've known you for years. Yeah. I think one of the things I admire about you is you know, we'll get together and you know, we'll talk for half an hour, and then we're like, great, we've, got, we've covered it, right? So you're, you're also respectful of other people's time. Right. right? You're not just kind of going to sit there for the sake of it. You're That's saying, right. can, you know, let's use the time well, and yes. then, because you're evaluating those, you know, all your opportunities. Yeah. So I think this is really key for people. It's, it's to have a strategy around how you grow, what ecosystems you want to be in, where you want to grow, and then to get away from the tactical of like, should I go to this event? It's, it's does this help my strategy? Does this help my strategy to get to the next levels of impact? Right. Um, and there's a there's a huge intersectionality for me. Um, I look at all of these various pieces as being a whole. Um, Talk a bit about that. It's not like it's not like the human rights work is one compartment, mm-hmm. um, and the business and the corporate work is one compartment, and the earlier stage investing is another. Uh, I gave you an example of how the earlier stage work actually. It's attractive to the right. corporates. Um, I want to invest in businesses and help businesses that will um, impact our world in a positive way. So I'm now part of the Forbes Impact community um, based out of New York, where we're only looking at ways where we can exponentially help our, our world and make money at the same time. So it's all very interconnected and, and intersectional uh, in the way I look at it and, and in the way that, that makes me most inspired so I was invited as an example I think I may have told you to uh, Rome to have a, to partake in a conference on humanity um, at the Vatican uh, for an entire day that was something I felt I should drop everything yes and, I, I wouldn't and, say and no to that. <laughs> and the relationships I, I developed in that right. one day uh, in in uh, Rome at the Vatican have been in, incredibly invaluable to me and very rewarding I'm sure personally Correct. So once you have this philosophy and the strategy, once you've understood the ecosystems, let's now get into a bit of the more, um, the mechanics of relationship building. Sure. Because what I love, when we spoke earlier, you said, you know, I don't really network, I build relationships. Right. And I think for you, you, you mentioned to me that this goes way back to growing up in Montreal and what you learned. Maybe you could talk a bit about that and how it shaped your philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my, my mother was the original networker, I think, uh, way, way before Facebook. <laughs> she was the human uh, Facebook? She was the human Facebook. <laughs> the phone was constantly ringing off right. the hook. Uh, friends asking for advice and uh, just wanting to talk. And she was, she was truly, uh, um, if not the most generous person I know, um, certainly one, one of them. Um, and uh, she taught me the power of relationships because she had more great friends than anybody I've, I've ever known uh, to this day. And so I observed, we had a home where there was never a lock on the door, the door was always open, we were always welcoming people into our home. And um, I think that mindset uh, of openness and, and giving and, and, and learning from others and sharing with others uh, has informed really 
how I've been for the rest of my life. And, and so let's let's go into that a bit because I know you were you were talking to me about you know how you how you build these relationships and the fact that you you really invest in them right often with like an uncertain certain future and I think there's that amazing story you told me about what ultimately led you to getting into McGill and then someone amazing you met at right. McGill Law right. School. Right. Maybe you could tell that story. Right. Yeah. So um, I think it's just important to get out there and 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 to always try to learn and always try to self-improve, even even if uh, you have a, a, a perceived setback. Um, so uh, I applied to McGill Law School and a number of other law schools. Um, uh, the summer of uh, of my graduation from my BA in philosophy, and decided to backpack through Europe with a friend of mine. And um, my parents were were sitting home. Um, they weren't sitting home necessarily, just waiting for mail. But they they were they, they were back at home um, receiving the mail. And I began getting into some schools, including University of Ottawa. Um, but I seem to have been waitlisted at McGill. Which your heart was set on. And my heart was set on it, and, and my parents would have been thrilled for me to stay home as well. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, anyway, long story short, my parents went on a little vacation and asked my neighbor to uh, check the mail. And they did, and they called, uh, suddenly called my parents to say, uh, we opened the mail, Jay didn't get in. So sure enough, I was informed of that. My generous parents said, stay in Europe for another few weeks. We'll set you up in Ottawa when we get back from vacation and uh, we'll figure it out from there. I get home from my uh, trip. I call the Dean of McGill Law School to say, hey, I understand I didn't get into your school. Would you mind spending a few minutes with me just to go through my file and explain to me why I didn't get in? So I show up um, and she opens the file and says, who, uh, who told you uh, that you didn't get in? And I told her the story. She's like, well, you did not get in. I'm not sure <laughs> which letter your, your neighbors read. Tell me about yourself. So we had this long conversation and uh, we hit it off. Um, I, I misjudged in the sense of showing up uh, with a long beard and long hair and <laughs> jean shorts and a tank top. I like the polar opposite <laughs> of, of who you are today. Right, right, right. Well, I still have it in me, though. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, she... Uh, she thanked me for coming by, and, and that was the end of it. Anyway, next day she calls me and says, uh, hi, it's Dean Juke here. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to tell you that you got into McGill. Um, so, you know, if I wouldn't have taken that extra right. step, who knows? Maybe I would have gotten in, maybe I didn't. And I think what's, what that story shows is you took the extra step with no prospect of any sort of Gain. I right. Mean, no, not gain in the sense of the prospect of getting in. Yeah. You've been and told I, you weren't getting and in. And I had no intention of appealing. I right. just wanted for my own self-improvement to understand what 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 the deficiencies were. And I think that curiosity and desire to learn is something that you know anyone who wants to build great relationships could could live by. And and I know what it held you in good stead when you started at McGill Law School yes. and led to an incredible mentorship. Maybe you could talk a bit about that. Yes. Yeah, so uh, long story short, we have uh, every law student has to go through um, uh, a stressful process called moot court or mock appeal, uh, pretending perhaps that you're 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 um, pleading in front of a panel of three judges on some constitutional issue. So it was came time for my uh, appeal. And uh, I walk in and there's three professors sitting as judges. 
uh, about to listen to my uh, submissions, and and the legendary human rights champion uh, Professor Erwin Kotler is one of the judges, so that made me even more nervous. <laughs> anyway, I make my submissions, and 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 uh, Professor Kotler, in his uh, typical fashion, uh, is furiously writing notes as I'm speaking. And once the uh, presentation was done, he he complimented me for uh, for my submissions and all the things that I had done right, and 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 proceeded then to list. Ten things I could have done better. Each point interrelated to the other, and I was kind of in shock and awe, to be honest. Um, uh, but I thought to myself, this is a really fascinating man. I'm going to ask him if I could come by his office to speak more and 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 understand how perhaps I could have improved my presentation a little bit uh, more than he uh, articulated in his brief remarks. And we did that, and um, and and uh, very quickly hit it off. And before I knew it, I was his research assistant for the summer, and we carved out a very uh, rich relationship, um, which which continues to this day. Uh, I'm an active member uh, of his board, uh, his uh, human rights board, called the Raoul Wallenberg Center of Human Rights, where we're representing uh, the Nelson Mandela's of today all around the world in places like Venezuela and China and Saudi Arabia um, and Venezuela. and. Uh, it's just been uh, an extremely gratifying relationship. It keeps my hand a little bit in in, in the law piece, right. um, uh, but particularly in the area that I care about most, and that's human rights. And I think that again, that story sums up this your kind of mission, your purpose, your curiosity, your willingness to put the work in, mm-hmm. all without the payoff, all, all without the immediate sense of a payoff. Right. And I think I, that's important. Yeah. I do think it's a weakness to um, only transact and only give um, with the idea that uh, you, you you need to get something back. Hmm. Do you see that? And maybe that's a good segue to, I mean, you you form relationships. You see people trying to form relationships with you, and you you see relationships you know, between the clients you serve and the people there. What's the biggest mistake you see that people make in relationship building? Well, exactly that. I will do this for you. Um, uh, if I know precisely what you're going to give back to me. Um, I find that happens very, very often. And, and the problem with taking that kind of approach is you cut off so many potential opportunities. Um, because so as soon as someone can't give you something, you're done with them. You're done with <laughs> them. Or vice versa. And, and you just cut off a potentially huge branch of a tree that could result in, result in exponentially more branches. Right. So you have to be willing to, to say, well, more than willing, you have to be excited by the relationship itself. That's right. That's the whole key. That's exactly right. So, Jay, you've got the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. It obviously goes back to your DNA, you know, where you grew up, how you were born. Yeah. It's just so authentic and genu- genuine for you. you know, one question I get in leadership communication businesses, yes. can you teach people to be effective communicators? And so let me just put that question to you. Yes. Can you teach people to be great relationship builders? I think, I think to, uh, to an extent you can. Um, and it's a good analogy to, to and, and by the way, communication skills and relationship building skills are intertwined totally. as well, by the way. Totally. So um, Bill Clinton versus Hillary Clinton, right? right. There's, a certain, there's a certain level of innateness that a, that a Bill Clinton has that can't be taught. Right. But there's a whole heck of a lot that can be taught. Um, so you can get somebody to an A, right. A minus A, but probably not an A plus, right. uh, because there's an element of creativity 
that art that an artist might have. You could teach you could teach somebody how to paint a landscape mm-hmm. or or a face, um, but there's a certain level of creativity that the artist has that can't necessarily be taught. And the you, songwriter, etc. Do you yeah. teach people? I mean, you you're in the business of connecting yeah. people. Yeah. Do you sometimes have a potential? Connection where you're going to bring them to a board or to an executive where you'll work with them on their relationship skills? Yes. Um, The best way I could teach relationships from the the angle that I come at it from is to give uh, examples and to actually, I I can literally draw you a tree and say, hey, I got into Turnstile. Turnstile got me into Institute for New Economic Thinking. Institute for New Economic Thinking got me into Cover Us Health, Blockchain Healthcare Solution. Um, And I could tell you how I did that every step of the way. And it's got nothing to do with uh, showing up up at a cocktail. Right. And (laughs) what I'm hearing too is that you don't even think about, I want to meet that person. You think about, does this ecosystem fit it? And then whoever you meet there is exciting. (laughs) So the Venice Beach Winston House ecosystem has has resulted in you can't even imagine how many unbelievable relationships with branches and branches of branches and branches of branches Uh, and the new york community has done the same and the the community i met at the vatican and the forbes impact community um it's it's also that i'm attracted to and i'm gravitated toward like-minded people right now how about and that's a big deal and i would characterize you as an, as an extrovert who gets huge energy from these events. Is that an accurate characterization? Yeah, I don't know how I would characterize myself, but I, I do get, I do derive huge energy and inspiration from other inspirational people. Right. Um, but I get really bored from uh, uh, cocktail parties where there's small talk. Right. I can't. I can't. You're like, I literally, let's get to it. I, I literally can't. In, I can, actually, but... It's very painful for me to engage in small talk. Hmm. And it's actually probably pretty obvious to the person who's engaging in how's, so the, we- how's the weather, what's your, what's your route into work. Right. I can't, I can't. So let's say you're in a situation where you're, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm bored having this. Because yeah. I think a lot of people have been in yeah. there. How do you get to talking about something that you love? I may shock somebody and say, um, uh, what's your view on on same-sex marriage legislation? And just see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. be you're provocative to see yeah. if you can have a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. Or I might I might say I might ask them a question about a lot of the craziness that's ha- happening south of the border because for me it's not personal. Right. I know there's a lot of relationships that have been severed because of pro-Trump, anti-Trump, right. whatever. I just want to get into meaty issues. Right. Otherwise, I, I, I literally will doze off. I can't. Right. I can't. But I think yeah. this is this is an important point, too, because it's if you're, for people who feel bored by yeah. small talk, yeah. like here you are as an incredible relationship builder, you're bored, too. And so yeah. don't, so maybe the, the... Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. And don't think you have to tolerate it. It's not like you have to wade through it. You can, if you really... Get to the stuff that you're going to be passionate about because that's going to create the authentic relationship. I think maybe um, uh, ambitious young people assume that um, there's a certain formula mm-hmm. um, to developing a network. Um, and I think they're mistaken in a lot of cases. And, and is it different people will pursue different routes to that that you mean? Or you think that... I think you just need to be creative. You need to be creative. You need to be thoughtful. You need to really give of yourself. Um, be generous without expecting anything in return. 
because whenever there's that tension that you're expecting something, um, you inevitably will give off give off a vibe, right? You know, and and uh, the 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 attempt at relationship development may 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 stall pretty quickly. So be in it for the joy of the relationships and what in the ecosystem that you want to be in. But enjoy that and great things will happen. Enjoy it, yeah. You know, as, as the cliche goes, enjoy the journey itself, yeah. right? And whatever falls into place, falls into place. Um, we talked about curiosity, thirst for knowledge. I'm a highly curious uh, individual who's, who just, just wants to learn about stuff. That's right. Yeah. And about more than the weather. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Jay, this well, is... if you have an interesting thing to say about the weather, I'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. No, but I, I appreciate that about you. And you, your curiosity is contagious. And it means I know whenever we sit down, we're going to have a great conversation as we did today. Yeah, awesome. So I appreciate you sharing your bit of your secret sauce. And, Thank you. You know, letting me peek behind the curtain of how you create these phenomenal relationships. And, uh, and I can see it's always authentic and brings you great joy. So thanks for sharing. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, Good talking. I hope you enjoyed my discussion with Jay Rosenzweig today. Quite possibly the most connected human being ever. Uh, I really came away with a sense of admiration for his willingness to go anywhere, see anyone, and just embrace every opportunity. His boundless energy, but also the intention he brings to creating these kind of concentric circles of passion and authentic interest. A lot to take away for uh for me and hopefully for you on how to create a really genuine network. Next week, we look to the future. That is the future of work in all its uncertainty. And my guest will be Antonis Christidis. He's a partner at Mercer. You know, uh, longtime listeners of this podcast know I've had people from Mercer on before. Uh, but Antonis, his, his job is really to look into the future and help companies understand what the future of work looks like and the implications for uh, their business. So I have him on to talk about what the changing nature of work means for leadership. Uh, So yeah, it's a a neat conversation. I learned a lot and uh, I hope you do too.